to Leonard Lopate at Large. I'm Leonard Lopate. Although many of us are working from home for the first time, remote work is not new. Domestic and global companies have had virtual work arrangements for nearly 30 years, but the rapid changes brought on by COVID-19 have accelerated those transitions and required nearly entire companies to start working remotely in a matter of weeks, which left managers and employees scrambling to adjust. Harvard Business School professor and virtual work expert Sidal Neely, who has spent two decades helping companies learn how to manage dispersed teams, has written a book that offers guidance on how to work productively at home, manage virtual meetings, and lead teams through this time of crisis. Remote Work Revolution Succeeding from Anywhere is published by Harper Business and brings Professor Neely to our show now. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Isn't the coronavirus pandemic expected to fundamentally change the way many organizations operate into the foreseeable future? The coronavirus has already fundamentally changed the way we work, the way we connect, the way we sell, the way we learn. It has completely upended our routines and has left many organizations worrying about what the post-pandemic workplace will look like. Well, did you see this coming? Weren't you working on this book for almost three years before COVID hit? You know, it's interesting because I had been working on this book and on this topic uh, for a very, very long time because I was always convinced that the power of technology and the uh, digital tools that uh, were being developed would completely change how we worked, particularly as I looked at the global context. And I wanted to create the type of content that would make people thrive. And the one thing that I never expected would be this wholesale migration of knowledge workers from all over the world to become virtual and remote workers. But I truly believed when I started to look at this, that technology would reshape how we worked. And I think that there's a new revolution that's going to come upon us in uh, the next couple of years. And that's the digital revolution, all technology based. Although there are moves to loosen some of the rules that have been put into place, can't we expect people with possible symptoms of self-quarantine and, and everyone else to practice social distancing for months to come, maybe even more? So is remote work our new reality? I think remote work uh, and some people are talking about hybrid work, which is a mix between people working remotely or from anywhere and some people going into the office, I think the hybrid workplace is going to be our reality. 95% of companies recently surveyed by the Gartner Group have said that they're going to plan a hybrid work, work arrangement for their workforce. So the hybrid arrangement is the future. And uh, a Gartner survey of 5,000 employees last year found that 87% prefer to work remotely, either full or part-time, while only 13% said that they don't want to work remotely at all post-COVID-19. Isn't that staggering? That up to 87% want to retain some form of remote work, and of that number, 
30% want to do it full time. And this is actually consistent. The survey came out in December of 2020. The Harvard Business School online group did a similar survey just uh, three or four weeks ago, and the numbers were similar. The patterns were similar. 81% want to retain some form of remote work. But you know the dilemma and the tension that leaders and organizations have to resolve is the fact that most of them want people back because they're worried about culture, productivity, uh, and monitoring people in the long term. And there are so many things that uh, really work well when we can uh, deal with each other face to face. So, yes, I, I imagine that that a serious concern is something we're going to get into quite a bit in this conversation. Um, but the, the scale and scope of what we're seeing with organizations of 5,000 or 10,000 employees suddenly asking people to work from home is unprecedented. Had any of them been prepared for something like this? No one was prepared for this. Not a single company was prepared for this. And in fact, if you think about companies like J.P. Morgan Chase, where they have 250,000 employees worldwide, and what they did was they responded quickly. And in 10 days, they migrated their entire workforce home. I mean, we're, we're talking this has happened at a scale never seen and in every corner of the world, from Japan to the U.S. to Germany uh, to um, uh, parts of Africa. And, and so, no, we've never seen this. No one was ever prepared. But what's been extraordinary to watch is how quickly when people had no choice and the threat of a contagious and deadly virus had pushed our entire mindset and skill set to become virtual workers so quickly in, in a week, 10 days for people to begin to use technologies like it's their lifeline. I think that's extraordinary. And that suggests that we as people are much more open to change and to advancement than previously thought. And, and it forced companies to instantly advance their digital footprint using cloud storage, cybersecurity, and device tools uh, to uh, to deal with this whole new remote way of working. Um, but can't that be a little dangerous at times? Oh, yes. Uh, and uh, in the last year, many companies have seen breaches or attempted security breaches from bad actors. Uh, and all of this happens because when people uh, migrated to work from home and started to use enterprise-wide tools, um, you know, we know, we know uh, many of them, uh, they hadn't uh, integrated their security parameters as they should have. And so there were a lot of vulnerabilities that many uh, organizations and companies have had to very quickly work to strengthen uh, because suddenly people were dialing in through VPN systems and uh, using all sorts of digital tools uh, newly. Uh, but I do think that we have moved up that learning curve very, very quickly. Uh, 
and uh, many uh, companies who've seen these vulnerabilities have fortified them. Uh, and so, yes, there are dangers, uh, but companies have fortified them from a technology standpoint, and many are working to educate their workforce. At the end of the day, uh, all of us need to be very careful when we see these funny emails. You know what I'm talking mm. about. Not I get so many of them. <laughs> you know, oh, my gosh. They so often they often actually reveal that they are spam because they put dashes between certain letters. Like you'll get something from Costco C dash O S T dash C O and things like that. Uh, I, I guess that's their way of protecting themselves. Yes, saying, you know, well, we're not really Costco. They're, they're conf- <laughs> well, you know, how many people unwittingly would click on them? Uh, mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, you know, there's the famous story of uh, Saudi Aramco, the petroleum giant, uh, where an innocent looking email uh, appeared in someone's inbox. They clicked on it. And before long, computers were shutting down. Their whole oh, system exploded and threatened 10 percent of the world world petroleum access so and the reason for that was were they they being blackmailed to to uh to to open it up again why would somebody do that to them just for fun listen why do people hack why do people Hmm. uh you know do, do you remember about a year ago there were all these uh zoom bombs People just appearing in Zoom calls. Uh, people do things, uh, and hackers will hack. Uh, and though competitors and other, you know, there's there are lots of things that are out there that we need to be incredibly vigilant about. And so, all of us, all of us, need to be very sharp and alert when these types of vulnerabilities appear. And sometimes it's not just through email. People text message you uh, uh, and uh, fool you all the time. And so the protections that we had in buildings and firewalls are no longer there. Now we have to think about these security measures differently. And it also comes with educating uh, um, all of us. So just delete, never click. When, when it's a text, do you have to write stop? Uh, uh, you know, when I see these types of things, I actually don't engage them at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can block them. Uh, and, and of course, you want to report them as well. But don't don't play with them. Just ignore them. Mm-hmm. Delete, delete, delete. That's what I do. Me too. Um, Let's talk about some of the the problems that this uh, current situation has presented. Doesn't it make hiring more difficult uh, from both on both sides? I think it makes hiring much easier. Uh, and really? in fact, I, oh yes, I was with a group just yesterday, a high profile group, uh, who are saying that because uh, we are no longer bound by our physical geographical uh, location, we have the ability to attract talent from anywhere. If we can say, we don't need you to move in our city. You don't need to come here. You can work virtually, but we would love for you to join our organization. And they're accessing a much bigger and stronger talent pool. Uh, So hiring has gotten easier, but what's gotten 
more challenging and requires a different mindset is onboarding people. Once you hire them, how do you inculcate people with the shared values and the cultural norms that you aspire to have in your organization? That requires a whole set of different activities that we're used to. And isn't one of the major challenges of remote work a sense of isolation uh, yes. If we spend a lot of time without regular in-person contact with coworkers, don't matters of, of bonding, trusting, and alignment become a real problem? They do. They do. First, uh, I'll comment on the isolation piece. And in the last 13 months, millennials in particular have had a really difficult time with isolation. Imagine you're in your late 20s, early 30s, uh, perhaps uh, you're cohabitating with others, perhaps you're not, uh, you could be all by yourself living alone, and you don't have that human contact uh, in the physical sense, but you're only working through these video conferencing and email and all these other things. So many organizations that I've talked to have actually seen a strong isolation and loneliness uh, from uh, the millennial demographic group. And so it's important to work really hard to facilitate connections, personal and professional connections within the workforce to break that isolation and really think about people's well-beings and uh, ensure that the organization is providing support for people. On the topic of trust and bonding and all of the ways in which we need to connect and be cohesive in order for us to perform well together, you can actually have equally effective ways to develop and maintain trust as well as bonding and connection in the virtual space. It's just done differently. My biggest message on this point is that we cannot use the same frame or lens when we think about developing and maintaining these human trust and connections and, you know, mutual respect, all the things that we need. We need to develop them through various mechanisms that are different, but just as uh, effective than face-to-face ones. What should people who aren't accustomed to remote work do to get psychologically ready for it? And are there things that employers can do to help them, the people who are staying at home, be, remain focused, committed, and happy? Yes. Oh, that's the million dollar question. Well, you know, my book, Remote Work Revolution, is designed to do just that. Uh, the uh, actual subject and the different chapters were designed to not only answer the most pressing questions, but to distill the fundamentals that people need uh, based on a Q&A session that I did with the Harvard Business Review Group with uh, individuals, managers, and leaders. And all these questions kept just coming up and recurring and Occurring. And so we uh, uh, published an HBR.org piece called 15 Answers Questions. 15 questions answered about remote work. And we had some half a million downloads almost immediately, Mm -hmm. which suggested and feedback like you wouldn't believe. And so the book is um, uh, formatted to very much answer these pressing questions that people have. So what I will talk about is the 
activity of launching or relaunching your group for the remote environment where you clarify shared goals, make sure everyone is on the same page, where you together discuss what your shared resources are so everyone knows what's available from information to budgets to uh, um, uh, networks who who do we need to make sure we involve in our work and the third and incredibly important one is shared norms uh, how are we going to communicate together how do we work together what are our individual constraints what are the ways in which we contribute how can we use flex time to enhance our work when we're at home, but at the same time, ensure that their collaboration or overlapping time that we have. What technologies do we use? People's preferences and also based on the work that we do. We explicitly talk about these things in uh, the conversation. And so, and how do we make sure we're connected professionally and personally? What do we need to do for that? And once you have this conversation, you have actually set yourself up in this explicit manner uh, um, uh, to be effective and successful. And in fact, all the work about this shows that you have a 30% greater likelihood to succeed if you have done the activity or the launch or relaunch that I'm just describing here. It's a big deal. My guest on today's Leonard Lopate at large is Tzedal Neely, T-S-E-D-A-L, She's a, a professor at Harvard Business School, and we're talking about her book called Remote Work Revolution, Succeeding from Anywhere. It's published by Harper Business. And since you talked about feedback, um, I'm going to also invite our listeners who I'm sure have thoughts on the subject and experiences to share and questions uh, to join the conversation. Is that okay, Sidon? Oh, I would love that. I would okay. love that. So if, uh, if you're listening and you want to join this discussion, our on-air phone number is 212-209-2877. That's 212-209-2877. Uh, should we expect many companies to downsize their office, space, downsize their office spaces? I'm, I'm wondering what kind of impact all of this is going to have on the real estate market. Or even the way is, yeah. offices yeah. are designed in the future. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I uh, not only think we should expect it, it's already happening, right? If we look at Target uh, shutting down its Minnesota location, the patent office of uh, the U.S., the U.S. patent office is shutting down its Virginia uh, buildings. And many other organizations are actually looking at and thinking about what should our real estate footprint look like as we move into the hybrid space. And and there are two things to consider here. The first one is even if they do nothing, their real estate holdings have shifted because of this global pandemic. When you walk into your buildings, you're going one way, kind of like the grocery stores uh, and their signage everywhere. We can't use the conference rooms the way that we used to. We can't jam 10 people in a relatively small conference room in order to meet because of social distance reasons. You might have three people in there and the rest may be dialing in from their desks. Uh, so the physical uh, and the real estate 
uh, look and feel and experience will transform no matter what. And with the amount of people who are looking to retain some form of uh, working from home, the notion of hoteling, meaning having locations where people can work for a day, two days, three days, will come back again in a big way. When everybody works in the same office building, even if they're not in close proximity, establishing trust in colleagues uh, can be a lot easier. And uh, there's also the the unplanned water cooler or coffee break conversations with colleagues. Uh, uh, We lose that with remote work. Uh, Those are usually big, important parts of a workday that have a direct impact on many people's performances. So how do we control, how do we create something like that virtually? Yes, water cooler conversations or these serendipitous informal encounters contribute directly to our performance. There's no doubt about it. And the way to think about this is that when we are working virtually and not occupying the same space or what people call co-located, we actually have to create these micro moments, these structured, unstructured times in order for people to share the types of things that they would in these serendipitous moments. Uh, An example of this is if we have a 60 minute meeting, an hour meeting, we want to devote the first six to seven minutes to this unstructured checking in, connecting with other people uh, in the way that we would as we are walking down the hallway on our way to a meeting. The groups and teams who do this consistently over time have increased cohesion and greater performance than the groups who go straight to work as soon as that Zoom call hits. You can use the chat functions if you uh, are in a meeting in order to hold those. And what uh, I do a great deal, and I've done this uh, a ton with my own students based my understanding of uh, this particular phenomenon is uh, do overtime. If you're holding a meeting, a virtual meeting, you say, you know what, I'm going to hang out and stay uh, for anyone who wants to uh, do overtime with me. Everyone else can leave. So you're actually creating these micro moments that provides people the opportunity to connect. I don't know if we're getting any calls, but let me give out that number again. It's 212-209-2877 if you want to join this conversation. Reggie, have we gotten any calls yet? Okay. Okay. Thank you. So nobody uh, has uh, called in yet, but uh, I expect, uh, because this is a topic that is affecting so many of us, um, uh, isn't one of the major challenges of remote work a sense of isolation? Uh, uh, So uh, on the other hand, there were many distractions at home. So can remote work (laughs) seem unstructured? Yes, it's interesting because uh, there's a couple of ways to look at this. Uh, The uh, evidence on productivity is so strong that shows that remote work actually increases productivity, not decreases it. Oh, yes. I mean, despite the fact that you have children uh, often uh, as a serious distraction, there's always Netflix out there. (laughs) So here's the thing. The times when you don't have uh, productivity increases, it's particularly when the working conditions are not great. Uh, Children and parents 
pets, uh, those types of not only just distraction, but what people call ambient noise, a noisy space is very difficult for people to concentrate and focus on. Uh, but the the idea that uh, um, this freedom and this unstructured time uh, that people have to themselves designate and be, be very disciplined about is what people value uh, about remote work. So when 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 you talk about the 87% or the 81% earlier, people love the autonomy and the psychological self-control that they gain when they manage their own time, their own space, and end up actually uh, working better uh, in this environment. And distractions are terrible. Uh, they work against, they, they weaken our ability to produce. You're 100% right. Uh, noise is another one. And a third issue typically is literally the space, the, 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 the home space. If some people don't have great adequate space to work, and this is not uncommon in New York and Boston, uh, uh, right in the city, uh, homes may not be big, apartments, condos may not be big. So you have multiple people sharing a small space, which is uncomfortable. There's noise, there's, you know, you're worried in an intergenerational home uh, that your grandma is going to start walking behind you on video. Uh, and so those types of things can be problematic. But I'm telling you, there's 30 years worth of research looking at every possible permutation of productivity in the U.S. and outside of the U.S. that has proven robustly again and again and again and again and again that uh, remote work enhances it. Well, what can employers do to make sure that People are staying focused, committed, and happy. Ah, this is the biggest tension that I see today. And this is the tension around what will the future look like? And how do we make sure that in the context where we have so many people who want to retain remote work, that we are creating, number one, the opportunities that people want to work from home, whether it's a, for a few days or more, while at the same time making sure that work is getting done in the right way. You know, we have some on-site essential people that we need to come in? Uh, and how do we make sure that we reward people who are on-site essential people by giving them several days out of the year to use uh, in, whatever way, in whatever way that they want? Um, the other thing that we need to make sure is um, uh, to give people performance feedback, career development opportunities, and strong leadership that includes people who are confident about the fact that people are adults, they're going to do the work, will focus on outcome and not obsess about uh, monitoring and micromanaging. And if you do all of those things, what we see is people's organizational commitment and loyalty actually goes up uh, when people believe that they're trusted to work uh, in uh, whatever space they're in. And the, and the other thing that I'll say about this is we've been talking about remote work. There's another version of this, which is the subtitle of my book, is the idea of working from anywhere. Mm 
When we look at studies that compare working from home and working from anywhere, which means, you know, we'll go stay at an Airbnb for four months in some other place. That's anywhere. Um, uh, those who can are work working on vacation. Well, Hawaii, you know, why not work for from Hawaii for three months? <laughs> so so those who have the opportunity to work from anywhere without being questioned are actually even more satisfied and happy and uh, have more loyalty than those who are working from home. People just so want We have a number of people calling in uh, and uh, I'd like to take one of those calls right now. Is that OK? Sure. BAI, you're on the air. Hi, Leonard. This is Antonio from uh, Oakland Gardens, Queens. Uh, longtime listener. <clears throat> Great Hi, Antonio. Your work. Yeah, uh, essentially, um, I tried to email you about uh, the, the question, but I, I said, you know what? This is too good to uh, pass up. Let me give a, a call. So, um, <laughs> essentially, I, I was going to say that I'm surprised that a lot of the uh, uh, political um, uh, uh, like the mayor, the governor have, haven't seen that this is a kind of a, a great win for infrastructure and could be a, a great win in the sense of remote work, that is, a, a good you know a, a way to strategically move all that space that we'll now have for the homelessness crisis. And, uh, mm-hmm. and like I alluded to before, uh, infrastructure, like if, you know, obviously we're not building subways and and uh new lines as as fast as we could but this could help because if people yeah. are not on the road or jam-packed into the uh subways etc this could help i myself am a remote worker i love it it's it's really fantastic i think uh you know it, it just i feel i'm more productive and more enthusiastic yeah. to work when i don't have the uh you know the uh the commute because yeah. that's just a waste of time. It's like at least uh, an hour each way. And um, and to, to add to your, uh, uh, there's one more thing about uh, water cooler conversations and such. Uh, I, I use Slack. It's like a software yeah. application where you can talk to people. And so you, you kind of get that. You could, you know, you could say, hey, uh, you know, Sal, how you doing? Uh, did you catch the uh, Knicks? You know, briefly, you're not going to go yeah. on and on about it, but you can get that same thing and I'll, well, I'll let I, other people okay thanks I, I just want to follow up on what you said uh the whole business about the, the commute uh, obviously we save a lot of time by not having to commute and also aren't we helping the environment if we're not driving to work we are uh we're helping the environment and there's so much evidence of that uh, early on during the pandemic i mean you just have to point to uh, san francisco area where i spent uh, a great deal of time uh, but what antonio's talking about too is really important to think about because rather than infrastructure uh, many of the government officials and rightly so i completely understand the concerns uh, want to stimulate 
regulate the economy in the business centers, right? The small businesses, all the activities around the uh, physical buildings, uh, they want to get those things going. So they're not even thinking infrastructure. Uh, So it's kind of jarring for everyone to try to figure out which direction to take. Uh, So on the infrastructure, I think that's probably two steps uh, beyond where people are. They're trying to say, how do we stimulate the economy? And you need people walking around and uh, spending money uh, for it to happen in that way. But it's interesting because not only do people talk about the absence of uh, commutes being such a difference in their lifestyle, but people also talk about saving money, the coffee that you buy, the lunch, the movements, the transportation, parking if you're parking, trains, and all of those things are no longer uh, um, part of people's expenses. And for many, many families, that's a big deal. You're listening to Leonard Lopate at Large on WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. We'll be taking more of your calls right after this. Back with my guest, Sedal Neely. Uh, she is uh, a, uh, a professor at the Harvard Business School and a virtual work expert. And uh, her latest book is Remote Work Revolution Succeeding from Anywhere, published by Harper Business. We're inviting your calls here at 212 209 2877. And a number of people are hanging on waiting to get on the air. So let's take another call. BAI, you're on the air. Hello, Elizabeth, calling from New Jersey, home of recreational driving. Ah. I have an issue with a niece's position who has been uh, gone from an office for a small insurance company to home, and it seems to me that her... Uh, expenses, uh, mm. communication expenses, and her overhead are not being uh, recompensed by her company. Mm. That is uh, actually one of the things that I'm talking to a lot of companies about. The idea that we are now uh, trans transforming or transferring the wear and tear for uh, the company's business to people's homes uh, without compensating or paying for things like Wi-Fi or the furniture that people have to buy or the equipment that uh, they need to buy. All of those things, I think many organizations like the one that you're describing uh, are, are a little behind in thinking about the expense that they're passing down to individuals 
individuals while they're all declaring that they're saving so much money uh, from uh, the office uh, environment. Uh, And you have advanced companies or even tech companies like Twitter and others that are giving people monthly stipends or a one-time stipend for people to get equipped and to to pay for all of these things. I wonder if your niece uh, can talk to her manager about this. Uh, The sensitivity, once people are aware and managers and organizations are aware, the cost that people are bearing, they're very sensitive to it. I think it's a major blind spot uh, that is being illuminated. Because many, because some employees don't have laptops or m- mobile devices or have very limited Wi-Fi, if any. So indeed, uh, <laughs> so, indeed, indeed. And everybody has it. Equip- will need to have the software that uh, to be able to to do the work and to participate in conference calls and the Zoom meetings, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, over the, the no. overhead of the previous office. Yes. Are you talking about Wi-Fi and other things that uh, your niece had to uh, use on her own? Yes, of course. Yeah. Yes. So uh, I, I if if your niece is comfortable, she should raise it with her uh, manager. Uh, and I'm telling you, this is such a blind spot that the moment you begin talking about it, people say, oh, wow. Just never thought about it, uh, and uh, they they will do the right thing. Thank you. Okay, thank you. I, I have to tell you, I had to go out and buy all sorts of stuff when I wound up uh, working from home instead of from mm-hmm. a studio. Um, I had to buy a microphone. Uh, I had to, oh, yeah, and all, all sorts of uh, and and uh, pay for uh, the way I connect to the engineer at the radio station. It's a uh, these are things that I never expected to have to deal with. On the other hand, I, as you point out, I'm not paying for transportation to get to the radio station every day. Uh, let's yes. take another call. BAI, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Yes, it's you. Okay. Uh, good afternoon. Um, I am, uh, I don't know how to put this. During the pandemic, I got more work rather than less. So now I work full-time as a bookkeeper, and I've just been hired by a law firm also as a paralegal. And the bookkeeping position, I find I more or less must be on the premises because we get invoices in every day that I actually need to have in my hand. And for somebody to take the time to fax or email them to me is not justified. So I do have to be here. The other position, the paralegal position, is I can go to the office if I like, or I can do things remotely. They've given me a choice. And right now, because of current conditions, the the office, I went there for training the other day. They have an entire floor in a building. Everything is brand new. My desk, the, all the computers, all the printers, everything is brand new. And there were three people there. Mm. <laughs> kind of silly but we can do everything they have us on amazon workstation so we can download the portal to our personal computers at home and do everything virtually and it's wonderful so you choose are you so are you going to are you going to do the paralegal position is that what you're describing well yeah that's that's one of my jobs i mean i'm going to oh you do both jobs 
Yeah, wow, yeah, yeah. bless they're, your they're heart. That's amazing. And, and the paralegal is going to be part-time. It's on an as-needed basis. But everything is, you know, everything for the paralegal position, I can pretty much do remotely. And all the lawyers work remotely right now. Yes. Yes. You know, so, one of the things that uh, uh, you highlight, which is important to also think about as we are uh, thinking about the future of work is that when we construct them, we need to make sure that there isn't the professional isolation that we're replicating in our office buildings because there's only one person, two or three people in this wide space. Uh, and so we really need to be thoughtful about how we're asking people to come back, why we're asking them to come back. And if we need people to be on site, uh, how do we create the type of uh, energy and uh, presence of others, uh, you know, pooling people so that there's enough of a critical mass for people to both be safe and have uh, the uh, physical colleagues that they long for. The 15% who hate remote work will hate being in the office if they're there by themselves. Thank you so much for your call. You want to add something? Yeah, I I mean, I didn't hate it. I just thought that in a way, you know, Well, they had a floor in the building. They just moved to a different floor in the building. But it's a it's a huge expense for nobody yes. to be in there right now. And totally. you know the the maintenance, the upkeep, the the equipment that they had to purchase. And I mean, I already have a computer and Wi Fi at home, so it's no skin off my nose to work from home or to go to the office. The office one office is with you know a, a couple of blocks from my other office. So it's not a problem for me either way. I just think, you know, for, for a company to have this huge expense of an office, nobody there, everybody's yes. working from home, you know, yes. this is a big Imagine if you it's think, buildings how, upon how buildings like charge, that. Right. How much do lawyers charge and what is that money going into? And what I was doing the other day was logged in as non-billable because it was administration and, and orientation and all that stuff. That's non-billable and the lawyers are having to make the money to cover that plus the expense of an empty yes. office. Wow. Thank you for your call. And a reminder if uh, if you wanted to join this conversation, our number here is 212-209-2877. Uh, my guest is uh, a professor of uh, at the Harvard Business School, Sadal Neely, her latest book, Remote Work Revolution, Succeeding from Anywhere, published by Harper Business. This is WBAI New York, 99.5 FM, streaming live at WBAI.org. And let's take another call. BAI, you're on the air. Uh, yes, thank you for taking my call. Uh, of course. I, the, question I ha- the question I have from this, though, it, it almost sounds that like employees who are used to going to an office as you start staying home, it's almost like you're going to be relegated to being uh, consultants. <laughs> and and you, you will then be responsible for some of the issues that were just were being handled by the, the corporation, by the company, insurance issues, uh, so forth and so on. You know, it's interesting because, because I'm because not sure. I'm not uh, from my own experience. Companies w- do not want to have to pay for your insurance. I know that. 
Yes, 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 yes. Uh, and uh, the you know you're talking about uh, some of these expenses. You're right a little bit. Uh, and if you want to extend this, uh, it, questions of IT. Who's helping us uh, at home when we have technical issues and when we were used to having all of these amazing experts who can solve problems quite easily? Now we need to figure them out on our own as if we're contractors uh, and and not uh, getting the type of care that we want. You know, all of these things are questions and issues that the future hybrid workforce is going to bring for companies. Uh, And uh, in some instances, uh, they've been some employees who've lodged formal complaints about this uh, to certain companies and, you know, legally they never win, uh, unfortunately. But all of these questions are important and need to be answered, uh, including those around expenses that people are bearing and other things like liability in places like California, where there are all these earthquake risks. uh, How do we think about that when we now are working from home and contributing to the growth and the development of our organizations? Where where is the line? Uh, And another issue that needs to be resolved is people are looking to move further away from the headquarters of their company, particularly in order to afford certain homes or be closer to uh, extended family members and labor costs and cost of living begin to shift and change. So and companies are starting to say, well, we paid you that much because of the cost of living in this particular locale. But if you're moving to this other state, we allow that great move, but we won't pay you the same uh, amount of money. So the global labor workforce logic is starting to enter our very own domestic uh, workforce. And then add to that, you might also have people working remotely from from Great Britain or France or Germany or whatever. Aren't many employers planning to permanently incorporate remote days into their long-term routines or even give their employees the option to work from home full time, even after the pandemic is over? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's uh, when I uh, refer to the hybrid workforce, that's what I'm thinking about, that it might be a few days. It might be some companies are saying, well, we want everybody here for two weeks out of the month at the same time. And the other two weeks, you can work from home, whatever those arrangements may be. There's no doubt that they have to move in that direction because the the um, uh, the threat of losing people I'm talking about turnover and attrition is just really high. At the same time, you do have some incumbent organizations like Goldman Sachs that are saying, David Solomon, CEO of Goldman Sachs, uh, thinks that this idea of remote work is an aberration uh, and he thinks it'll go away. He doesn't Mm. think it's part of the future and wants people in the office. So a big question is going to be, how is that going to play out for Goldman Sachs over time? Will they have to loosen uh, those? strict perspectives as people begin to say, 
my life has gotten so much better. I can have dinner with my family for the first time. I used to spend 15 hours, 14 hours a week commuting. Now I have it back. And conversely, I've read that many companies, including Twitter and Google, plan to permanently incorporate remote days or at least give their employees the option to work from home full time. Yes, permanently. So you can work from anywhere. We will give you that allowance. Uh, and tech companies are actually moving full force in this direction. So Dropbox is saying that they're a virtual first company. Zillow, the same thing. You can work from wherever you want. Tech companies in India, like Infosys, Tata Consulting, uh, and HCL are saying within the next two to three years, they expect 50% or more of their employees to work from home. And these are such large companies. We're talking about thousands upon thousands of people. So the trends are going in the direction of remote work in Japan. Same thing, companies like Rakuten. So uh, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a trend that I think is not going to slow down. And my hope, my deepest hope is that individuals and organizations begin to adopt these workforce changes instead of being forced into them and take the best parts of remote work to build community and to build organizations and people who are adept at this. Because so obviously the world will never be the, the same. <laughs> I know, I know. And, it, and it's uh, strange to me that people want to return to a pre-pandemic world mm. that is no longer there. It's gone. Well, we want to go to restaurants and do other things. Let's take oh, yeah. another call. We Let's do, take we another do. call. We definitely do. BAI, you're on the air. Thank you very much. My name is David. I'm calling from New York City. This is brilliant. Um, and, you know, I'm, I, people don't tend to think of, of, of teachers as employees mm. working for business. But the, but the whole landscape of education has changed. Yes. Um, you know, I, I took a picture of my desk yesterday. I have a computer. I've got kids in Zoom. I have a, a swivel device with an iPad. I have another iPad. I've got notebooks and notes. Um, and it's just been totally transformed and to the point you just made. Education will never be the same. We're not going back to what it was like before. But it matters what you're teaching, doesn't it? Uh, a, a friend is an art teacher, and she is really having, sometimes she has hard times when uh, the work is being shown uh, through Zoom, mm -hmm. rather than her being able to just stand behind the easel and, and right. talk to the person. Doing demonstrations for is are different because uh, for an art teacher. There's all sorts right. of uh, problems that, that certain uh, subjects really don't lend themselves to what we're talking about here. That's correct. You know, and, and to the point that, that some employees have in, in businesses, you know, we're, we're at home constantly adopting our lessons to, yeah. you know, to this different environment. And so before, you know, we, it may have taken, you know, two or three hours to prep for the following day. But now we're, we're well into, you know, four or five. I'm going to bed at 12 Wow. Uh, wow. What, what grade day. do you teach, David? What grade do you I teach? teach? I teach uh, freshmen and seniors in high school. Wow. Um, so I, it, it's, yes, it's, 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 you know, every, you know, and we have 80 minute blocks um, every other day. So it's, again, it's not wow, a, it's a lot. minute class. So it's, it's a lot. And so it's, it's all work. I know that people are, are aware that teachers have to have had to change, but I don't think that people understand the degree to which, 
we have had to change and how much longer we are working and yes. how much harder we are. You know, we're, we're involved in all of this stuff. And we're not going back. We don't get paid for Wi-Fi, as you pointed out. Yes. Uh, we don't get paid for the extra material that we have to, you know, to purchase. Um, and we haven't gotten any raises, many of us. So it's, it's really, it hasn't been a win-win uh, on, on our Yes. First of Thank all, you. can I can I just tell you how much I admire you, uh, David, and uh, what you do? I have never respected and loved teachers more than this <laughs> last year. We're remote uh, teaching to children. Our sons are eight and ten, and being a right, professor right. gives you no advantage. I'll tell you that <laughs> to, to, to helping children. Absolutely. I think it's a liability, actually. I but um, I'll agree. tell you this: uh, my 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 deepest hope for you is that you're going through a learning curve. And if we have to do this much longer, uh, that you will spend less time preparing. But it has forced many people to be so much more intentional in teaching. And same with the Harvard Business School. We did remote teaching in the last year. And I cannot tell you how much longer it took mm -hmm. each and every one of us to prepare, to, prepare. to yeah. think, to adapt. How do you do this on Zoom? How do you create connections? How do you make sure you engage people so that they're not watching a YouTube video? video secretly <laughs> right. it's 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 a different uh, ball game and here in boston by the way where it is snowing we know snow days are gone uh when people can say <laughs> right. we're remote tomorrow no snow days yeah. right thank you for your call uh, we have only a minute or so left but i wanted to get this last caller in uh can you make it really brief hi you're on the air hi hello um my name is Rafael, and I just wanted to point out that besides uh, the overhead, uh, I think we actually have a problem with companies not paying rent. It's like um, yeah. I live in Jackson Heights, and my apartment is quite tiny, and it's using one-third of the space uh, in, in the physical yeah. space, and we're paying for basically. Unbelievable. That would be like $1,000 a month. Yeah, yeah. The, the, we, we're pretty much out of time. But the, the point is that now suddenly a portion of our living space has to be devoted to work, which in the past that was living space, right? Is that what uh, we're talking about here at Sado uh, before yeah. I go? Yes, absolutely. It's, again, bringing the work and wear and tear into our households while companies are actually saving those operational costs. So how sh they distribute uh, these gains into back into their workforce will be many issues that I think are going to come up, maybe even class action suits. Yeah, well, I've lost a bedroom to doing radio shows. Uh, thank ah. you. Thank you so much for being on our show today. It's been fascinating. Sedal Neely, T-S-E-D-A-L. Am I pronouncing your name correctly? Sedal, yes. Thank you yes. so much. I've really enjoyed being with you today. And the book, Remote Work Revolution, Succeeding from Anywhere, is published by Harper Business. And that brings us to the end of today's show. Special thanks to our live engineer, Reggie Johnson, and to my executive producer, Jesse Lent, for all the great work that they do throughout the week.
Um, now, if you're new to our program and would like to hear more, you can access past shows streaming on demand at WBAI.org. We're also available on iTunes, Spotify, oh, I don't know, all of the places where podcasts are available. And you can find links to all of our past shows on our website, LeonardLopateAtLarge.com. If you want to write to me, you can reach me directly via email at LeonardLopate at WBAI.org. But make sure that you write spell the name Lopate correctly, L-O-P-A-T-E. A couple of listeners uh, have had problems reaching me because of, because they misspelled my name. But before I sign off today, I'd like to take just a moment to ask you to support this station. If you care about Leonard Lopate at Large and all of the other great programs on WBAI, we need your help to keep this thing going. So please step up right now and make a contribution at whatever level you're comfortable with by going online to give to WBAI.org or by calling 212-209-2950 right now to keep the the kind of unique, in-depth content that we bring you on this show coming to you weekdays from 1 to 2 p.m. Remember that WBAI is 100% listener-supported. We don't take money from foundations or anywhere else. We rely totally on our listeners. But please be sure to make that contribution in the name of London Located Large. Big thanks to everyone who is helping to keep us on the air with their generosity. And we hope you can join us again on Monday when Harvard professor and Pulitzer Prize-winning author Louis Menand will discuss his new book, The Free World, Art and Thought in the Cold War. Have a great weekend.